This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. Right to Lahayskin at right point, Klingberg shoots, blocked, it's out of the zone, it's in the neutral zone, eight seconds left, Buckley Goodrow after it, time ticks down, the Lightning win the Stanley Cup, they have reached the top of the mountain, they are the Stanley Cup champs. Wow. All I can say is, wow, what a job by these guys. It was a great job, and the reason why those guys got to that point, now you got to be drafted, have to be developed. doesn't always happen with your specific team that you originally drafted, but it helps in the salary cap era. That's what you need to do, and today is the first of two days where we're going to see maybe some future Lightning players. That's right. It's the NHL Draft 2020 edition. You're going to hear all the coverage here on Lightning Power Play. Of course, Tampa Bay doesn't have a first-round selection so far. So far. But we're going to be on the air starting at 7 o'clock with uh, Jay Retcher, Brian Burns, Steve Versnick. Of course, I'll be hosting, and we'll hopefully give you the best coverage out there. Uh, really the only station that will be covering the draft. Then on Wednesday, it starts at 11.30. Tampa Bay, they're set to make eight selections. And the highest pick, round two, 62nd overall. They've got two third-round picks, two fourth-round picks, two sixth-round picks, one seventh-round pick. Some interesting news Bob McKenzie tweeted out. We'll get to that in just a little bit. Chad Schnarr from Bold Prospects will help us break down the draft. And, of course, we've got some good topics for you. But let me bring in our good friend, Dave Mishkin. Dave, you've been through a lot of these drafts. And I think for a lot of, you know, average fans, the, the NHL draft maybe is the one that's a little harder to get excited for because, you know, one, it's not as publicized as much as we've seen with the NFL, the NBA, even to a lesser extent MLB, although I think it is getting better. And we also know that for the most part, these players, particularly ones that are drafted later in the draft, probably don't get to Tampa Bay until, you know, three, four, five years into the system. So from that standpoint, a lot of people, it's tough to get excited about the draft, but we also know that the draft over the last five, six, seven years for this Tampa Bay Lightning organization has gotten them to the point where they've been one of the best teams in the league and won a Stanley Cup. Yeah, so you framed it from the standpoint of viewers and maybe other than our guest today, Chad Schnarr, and some other people who really do a deep dive into the amateur ranks. Most hockey fans, I think, and I'm going to include myself in this category, somebody who works in the sport and certainly spends a lot of time thinking about hockey and, and watching hockey and looking up stats and, and researching different elements in, in preparation for broadcast. I mean, I'm not up to snuff on what's going on in some of these junior leagues or college hockey or European leagues. As opposed to, let's say, the NFL draft, where these players are coming from college football teams that football fans, if they are following the NFL and college football, are aware of a lot of these players. Same is true in the NBA, if they're following college basketball. Baseball is a little bit different. I think that probably a lot of baseball fans, other than the real diehards, may not be up to snuff on some player taken in the fifth round, right? 
and I think hockey is in the same boat. But that does not take away from the fact that the teams have done their homework on these players. So I would add that third category that, you know, you mentioned a couple why maybe it doesn't get as much of a splash as, say, the NFL draft. But the third is I think a lot of the people who are watching and following this don't really know the players that well. But the teams that are drafting the players know the players, and the draft is critical. It's absolutely critical to the long-term sustainability of a franchise in terms of, of either getting elite or staying elite. And we've seen that with the Lightning, that whether it's Braden Point in the third round or Anthony Sorelli in the third round or Andre Plot in the seventh round, I mean, the first round pick's okay. I think most people who follow the sport are aware that this guy, Alexis Lafreniere, is going to be the number one overall pick. But after that, I think that some people maybe are aware of who's maybe going next, but a lot of people aren't. And when you get into the second, third, fourth round, you know, one name is the same as the next for a lot of us following this. But the Lightning have done their homework. And whether it's the final pick in the second round, they have eight picks, Greg. Mm-hmm. And they're all going to start in the second round and and later. And they have the final pick in the second round. But, you know, they've accumulated some draft picks. I, I was – not remembering that in the Barkley Goodrow trade, for example, we remember the Lightning gave up their first round pick. So San Jose is actually picking 31st because that's where the Lightning are slotted winning the Stanley Cup. But the Lightning also got back a third round pick from San Jose, which was originally Philadelphia's pick because Philly traded that in the Justin Braun deal. So the Lightning have two thirds, they have two fourths, they have two sixths. And a seventh, in addition to the second round picks, they have eight picks. Yeah, and you don't have to hit them all out of the park, but if you can hit a couple, if not out of the park, into the gap, right, <laughs> leg out a double or a triple, you can really help your franchise. So again, it may not be something on all of our radars as far as you know which player might be the most impactful and it's also hard to project when you're drafting a, a, a player at 18 to how that player will look when he turns 20, 21, 22 and presumably is at the point where he's ready to help your your NHL club. But that's what the scouts are paid to do. And yeah. that's why every team has an extensive staff toward amateur scouting for that very reason. I and, a guy, ask- and a guy like Chad yeah. Schnarr spends a lot of time Looking at this stuff, not only yes. the, the players the Lightning have drafted who have not yet turned pro or have not yet gotten to the NHL, but also the guys who are in that pool to be drafted. Do you appreciate Chad's analysis when it comes to the draft, Dave, or his snarkiness on Twitter? Well, it's a nice mix, I will say that. I love it. Hopefully love we'll, it. Get a, we'll get a nice we'll get a little mix bit when both. we talk to him. I, I want to end this segment with this and then we'll get to Chad coming up here in a couple of minutes. I am curious to see Dave from here on out the book on Julian Breezewaugh. Now, when I say book, that doesn't mean that Julian Breezewaugh is married to one particular way in terms of how to manage the draft, how to manage making Tampa Bay the best team he can make it. But we basically have gone off of two years of seeing Julian Breezewaugh at the trade deadline. The first year didn't really do a heck of a lot, wanted to keep the team status quo and why not when you have a team like that who is setting records you don't want to rock the boat and I think that probably was the right call didn't expect them to be swept against uh, Columbus a couple years back but so be it 
The next year, and maybe his first full year as GM, calling all the shots, feeling really comfortable about where his team was and is, and maybe knowing that he didn't do anything the previous year allowed him to be a little bit more aggressive at the trade deadline and to part ways with draft picks to acquire the guys like Coleman and Goodrow. I am curious to see how the Tampa Bay Lightning as an organization, Dave, view going for it now and trying to win championships as much as possible with the core group in place. I'm not suggesting you mortgage the future every single year. However, there are examples in the National Hockey League, the Pittsburgh Penguins come to mind, that they basically feel like you go for it every year. If you have to give up your first-round pick to do it, so be it. But as long as you have your core group players in place, specifically Malkin and Crosby, then as long as those guys are still productive, you're still trying to win now. And whenever the future gets here, you'll deal with those consequences. I actually think the Lightning are in a better position than the Pittsburgh Penguins from that standpoint. But we also know part of the salary cap world, and we're look, we're having discussions right now about trading certain guys because you need to be cap compliant down the road and you can't keep everybody. I am wondering now that the Lightning now have won a championship, and you saw what Julian Breezewell did at the trade deadline. If he will be more aggressive in parting ways with assets to win now than maybe we originally thought, or does that mindset that they've had for so long basically stay the same, that you know we like to draft and develop, we don't like to give away our assets if we don't have to, and if we see a move, we'll make it, but we're not going to get too, too crazy when it comes to mortgaging the future at the trade deadline just to win now. I am curious to see that dynamic and how that plays out. Well, it can be a mix, like with Chad, right? <laughs> you can have analysis and snark. You can have some trades made, but not you know, consistently every year trading away assets. So there is the win now versus long-term sustainability. And to your point, I think if you're constantly trading picks and prospects, your long-term sustainability, by sustainability, I don't mean sustainability as a franchise, but sustainability as far as keeping your elite window open. I do think you need to continue drafting and developing players well so that when certain players leave because they have priced themselves out as players will do. I mean, players have earned the right to make more money as they mature and become more veteran and have built a resume for themselves. They've earned the right to go out and make more money in their next contract, and sometimes that means that they need to leave the team that they are with. That's just a function of the salary cap world. And when that happens, you need to be able to replace those players with younger, less, exp less expensive options. And you do that by drafting and developing. At the same time, I think the difference between maybe last year, by last year I mean the 62-win season, and this year, I think that Julian Breesbaugh felt in the 62-win season, at the time that the deadline was there, he felt his team was, was set. And it's hard to quibble with that. The next year, the season we just finished, they felt that they needed to round out the roster. And they had targeted specific guys, Coleman and Goodrow. And because they had guys in mind, they were willing to spend what it took to get those guys in. I don't know that we're going to see that next year, let's say, or the year after. So I, I do think it depends on the situation. 
but you can both use assets to improve your team now or round out your team now, but also continue to draft and develop well. And to the point we we just talked about, even with trading their two first-round picks this year, the Lightning still have eight picks in this draft. And the other thing I'll mention, and I'm curious to get Chad's take on this, we are really zeroed in on maybe some of the high-end picks. By by high-end, I mean first or second round. Right. You know, we mentioned Cal Foote. You know, he is a guy that may be ready to slot in next year, a guy who's been in the pro game for a couple of years now. If they come out of the amateur leagues in Canada or a guy like Alex Volkov, who was playing in Russia, and when he was drafted, he immediately came over. The Lightning have drafted a fair number of guys who have gone the college route in recent years, and they have not yet turned pro yet. Whether you're talking about Sammy Walker or... Cole Gutman, they have a couple of Coles. Cole Kepke is another. They have the goalie Krona. I think they drafted a couple of years ago, played for the University of Denver. And these are guys that tend to, because they're playing college hockey, they don't turn pro as, as soon as, as some of the other guys. Kalorn is an example. Alex Kalorn was an 07 draft pick, but he turned pro after finishing his final year at Harvard at the end of the 11-12 season. I mean, that's almost five years because he joined Norfolk in the spring of 2012. It's almost five years after he was drafted. So even though we're talking about this year's draft, there are still guys who have been drafted that we have not yet seen either in the NHL or the AHL who may be coming down the pike that may be able to help the Lightning in terms of their organizational depth. You know what I'm saying? So t- to your point, I think you can look at some teams that are always trading <laughs> or, or frequently trading, but that doesn't mean that the Lightning have to necessarily follow that route. They can make trades when they feel it will really help them, but they can also keep some of their picks, and if they draft and develop well, they can, they can have that sustainability that I just talked about. First round of the draft is tonight. You can listen to that coverage on Lightning Power Play. Chad Schnarr from Bolt Prospects is up next. He's Dave Michigan. I'm Greg Lanelli. It's the Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. An hour of hockey talk to get you through social distancing. This is Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. There would have been no social distancing had this man been in the same room with me right now for this interview. We would have given a big old hug, and that would have been Chad Schnarr from Bolt's prospects joining us of course i'm greg Linelli along with dave michigan steve ersnick you know him he breaks down all the prospects in the lightning system and i i thought of you chad as i often do not in a weird way uh when the lightning made the big trades that they did at the deadline i'm sure you probably had some heart palpitations because you're you're uncomfortable giving away some draft picks for for third and fourth liners but it ended up paying off have you recovered from those trades? And more importantly, have you recovered <laughs> from the Lightning winning the Stanley Cup? I have not recovered from the Cup win. No, I'm still <laughs> hanging out on that ninth cloud. <laughs> yeah. I think we talked about back then, um, you know, if they win a Cup, it's worth it. And it was just, that is a huge if. But they did it. So, and not only did they do it, now I'm seeing stuff out there about they're trying to follow the lightning model of getting more grit on the third line for deep playoff runs. Oh, all right then. 
We were talking, Chad, after the team won the cup, looking back at the two trades, not the Bogosian pickup, which didn't cost the Lightning anything other than just the contract because he had been let go by the Sabres. But the two firsts and the prospect they gave up to get Coleman and Goodrow, that after having watched Coleman and Goodrow play and the impact that they had on games and in series, that it felt like afterward that the Lightning got not just value for those trades, but more than two firsts and a prospect based on how impactful those guys were in the playoffs. Do you agree with that? I do. I absolutely do. I was a little worried about Coleman after he went, what was it, 10 games or so without um, hitting the back of the net there um, coming over. And and he had some goal scoring to go with that grit, obviously, um, from Jersey. But yeah, I, I think so. And then, Dave, to top it off, you think, well, they got their cup, but now they've got another year with both of those guys at an extremely affordable level, which they absolutely have to have. So it's almost like a cherry on top. So it just went complete 180 from that first shock of Nolan Foot and a first, and then another first with a third coming back. Chad, does winning a Stanley Cup change the approach Julian Brisewell may have when it comes to trading away younger prospects or draft picks. We saw him do that this trade deadline, being willing to give up picks to win now. And with the salary cap the way it is, theoretically, you only have so long to keep that window open in terms of being a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. Not a playoff team, but a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. Are you curious to see how Julian Brisewell from here on out approaches what he does with prospects and draft picks. I am. And it's, it's kind of a uh, two-edged sword there a, a little bit. Um, I think he learned that, uh, and it's well documented now, you know, a year ago, he doesn't acquire anyone at the deadline, doesn't spend any assets, and they're out in the first round. This year, he seemingly overpaid to get some in, and now it looks like underpaid um and it worked so if you learn by that yes you have to do whatever it takes to give yourself a shot um but in doing all that the top of the farm has been so depleted now that i don't know that he has a lot of assets to give um in these coming years that would make that happen i think he can find a way they always seem to find a way to to get what they need but so it's kind of a two thing. Yes, I think he would make a trade, but I don't know if he has enough to make it happen. We mentioned in our opening segment, Chad, that even with the trades the Lightning made, trading away two first, they still have eight picks this year. Now, the first of those picks is the final pick of the second round. But do you think the fact that they have still eight picks can help offset the fact that they traded away two of their higher picks? this year i think considering you have al murray and daryl plandowski in your corner that they're like oh yeah we got this um because they're gonna find those guys and i don't think that's just wishful thinking they have a proven track record and going through some of the um options that are out there for what they like there's some talent that's going to be there in the middle rounds that they can find and they they're not shy about 
uh, taking a home run swing on a guy who's headed to college hockey who might be a little undersized and underscouted and uh, with Kerry uh, Ketnan, I think over there in Finland and in Europe, the, the way that they've been able to scout Europe and find some of these gems coming out of Russia and whatnot, I think you're going to find some underscouted guys over there that they, they take advantage of. So I think they'll be just fine. The one criticism that we see about the Lightning's farm system is that that top shelf prospect. And uh, with Nolan Foote leaving and Cal Foote kind of not taking that step to be a surefire top pair guy, uh, there's just not something at the top. So the depth is going to be replenished, I think. Um, but just you hope one of those guys developed into what we've seen from some of the, um, the stuff in the past of, of who they've taken low. Is there less emphasis on hitting home runs because your young core is still young? And when I say young core, they're superstars. Braden points and Nikita Kucherov specifically. Of course, you've got Hedman, who isn't old, obviously, still relatively young, and a guy like Andre Vasilevsky uh, in net. And if you want to throw Mikhail Sergachev in there as a guy who has high-end potential, you can. Is there less emphasis on trying to hit those home runs with top-notch players, but more or less filling out your roster with quality depth, more like guys like Sorelli and, and those players? I think there's less urgency to make it a home run. Uh, I think you still swing for it. And we saw with uh, Shaligan last year, uh, taking the, the tall Russian guy out of the, um, the juniors over in Russian over uh, in the MHL. Um, so they'll, they'll take their swings, but it's not like the old days of following lightning prospects where you're like, we have to hit on this or else we have nothing on the top lines. So yeah, it's a, it's a luxury to have that young core, but as we saw with Stamkos going down, you still have to have some quality depth as well to get through. And I think if the lightning would have lost Braden point longer in the, uh, playoffs, that that really would have hurt them. So they could afford to lose, lose one, but not two. And I think they're going to have to make sure that they have as much higher on the, the list as possible moving forward. Chad, you had mentioned drafting some guys who maybe are a little undersized but have more time to grow because they're going the college route. The Lightning have drafted a fair number of college-bound players or guys who are now in college in the last few years, often in the fifth-round or later, can you give us an update on their progress? Guys like Sammy Walker or Gutman, Kepke, Krona, the goalie who played at University of Denver last year. Where are they in terms of their trajectory and, and when you might expect to see them turn pro? They're all trending up right now. I thought maybe Kepke would be out now, um, but he's going back to Duluth for another year. He's a guy who can bang around in the corners and <clears throat> possibly fill that Alex Kalorn role in the future. Sammy Walker's captaining Minnesota. Um, he's a dynamic undersized guy, exactly what you'd expect to come out of the lightning uh, farm system. They love him up in Minnesota. Like I said, he's captain. He's going back for his junior year. I thought maybe if they want him to come out, they would bring him out now, but he's probably going back for one year and I would be shocked if he didn't come out after, after this is junior year. Gutman with Denver's doing well. McCade Webster's on his way over there. Um, so they'll be fine. And with Krona, 
they just had Denver just had one of their other keepers sign. I think it was Nashville. I'm not sure, but the job is Cronus now, and he had great numbers last year in 27 games. So it's the net's all his now, and they they should have a deep run. And if you're a Lightning fan, be a fan of the University of Denver because there's a there's a bunch over there. You mentioned Kyle Foote. What's been the issue there outside of obviously playing the maybe the toughest position to get to the pros? And then once you get there, it's it's difficult as well. Have you changed your opinion in terms of what he could be if and when he does get to the Tampa Bay Lightning? And would they be willing to trade a guy like Kyle Foote? Because maybe, um, I don't want to say they have soured on him, but you know, if you were in charge, have you soured on him a bit? Uh, I don't think they would trade him just because there's nothing behind him, really, especially on the right side. I mean, really, you're looking at um, Ben Thomas, who may not get a qualifying offer, and then Alex Green, who's coming in from Cornell this year, and there's there's nothing there. Um, and was it two or three years ago when there were rumors of Carlson being dealt from Ottawa, uh, the Lightning were rumored to have said, no, Cal Foot, absolutely not. So I don't know that you can deal him and recover okay but that said his skating hasn't improved to where you can throw him on the top pair and he'll be uh just fine you know wheeling around with headman there um i think probably he's more of a a four five you know he'll be pretty good on the second pair or, or lead a third pair but I don't think that he's going to be that 2-3 and definitely not a number one moving forward. I don't think he has enough offense to be on the power play. So that kind of lessens things a little bit. But if he can find a role of, of being a very responsible Eric Chernick type um, who can fill in on the PK and just be very responsible and gritty like his dad was, then I think they're going to um, be very happy with, with what they have. I think there is an expectation, well-founded, because Julian Breesbaugh said as much that the Lightning are going to have to make some moves, and the expectation is probably that at least some of those moves are going to involve forwards, which would mean that some of the guys who played in some playoff games this year, but not all playoff games, are going to have an expanded role next year, whether it's Stevens, Verhage, and their RFAs, but assuming they are re-signed, Matthew Joseph, Volkov, but if they are slotting up, then somebody needs to move up or somebody's need to move up to fill the role that they had been in. Who is kind of knocking at the door at the forward spot from Syracuse behind those guys that may push for a roster spot this year? And I know I'm making a lot of assumptions there that they're going to be these openings, but let's go with it for, for a minute and say, all right, the Lightning have a couple of spots open at the forward depth position that may get filled by guys who have been playing in Syracuse? I think they're waiting, um, not patiently, but maybe a little bit impatiently on a couple second rounders, Boris Kachuk and Taylor Radish, to take that next step. And now they're going to have that ice time and opportunity to do so. Uh, both were highly regarded coming out of juniors. Both played for the uh, Canadian World Junior Squad, which is extremely difficult to make. And usually if you make that, you think that's a sure NHL or at least in the middle six of the top lines. Um, so it's got to be Kachuka Radish, I would think, coming in. Ross Colton is an RFA. I think they bring him back and maybe he becomes more of a leader in the center down there. 
in Syracuse. But other than that, I think they're going to have to bring uh, some guys in and maybe get a little creative with these uh, draft picks and take a couple overagers, eight, or excuse me, late, and uh, insert them right into the Syracuse lineup if they can. Chad Schnarr from Bold Prospects joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. It's not a surprise, Chad, that we see uh, Darren Dreger with his report. Tyler Johnson has given the Tampa Bay Lightning several teams to work with in the quest for a trade. Uh, what do you make of Johnson's tenure here in Tampa Bay, assuming he is dealt? Are you surprised by those developments? And do you expect a couple of more players on this roster to go? I'm not surprised just because you could kind of see in the playoffs that out of that group that had the uh, the big contracts and the no trade clauses, um, Gord really stepped up, Palat really stepped up, granted on the first line uh, where he's had success in the past. Um, Kalorn was okay in the playoffs. I don't think he was as, as uh, impactful as he was in the regular season, but he did a lot of little things well. And then Tyler Johnson, I think, had a rough playoff. Um, you know, he had a deflection goal that was big early in the in the run. But other than that, you look at that group and you think, what is the return here, and what can I replace? And if you're if you're Breezewall, and I think that they have the Verhages and the Volkovs and the Stevens to kind of chip in a little bit here or there to fill that role that Johnson leaves. Um, but then it, you look at uh, Alex Kalorn. He's got that um, list that he can submit, I believe, or is it a limited no-trade clause. So he might be a candidate to go, which would be sad because I love the jet ski stuff. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you just you just pick and choose. Uh, Gord probably has pretty good value right now um, as well. And you probably don't want to lose him because Cedric Paquette's a free agent a year from now. Of course, so is uh, Coleman and Goudreau. So you want to keep a little bit of grit and continuity around. We know that you don't have a crystal ball. We don't have a crystal ball, uh, but because you follow these leagues so closely, what is your sense as to where, talking about major junior in Canada, college hockey in the U.S., and maybe some of the European leagues, although I did see that one of the Lightning's prospects, Max Chaikovic, is overplaying in Europe. So that league is is going and, and starting. But in terms of whether these leagues will actually be able to play and the impact that will have on some of these Lightning prospects as well as all prospects that, that teams have drafted, where are we right now in terms of the likelihood of these guys getting games in to play this upcoming season? Uh, it's kind of a, a pick and choose thing. You know, Dominic Machine went over to the KHL. I don't think he's coming back because he was an RFA and he passed through waivers last year. He's already got two assists in three games um, in the KHL. Uh, Chaikovic is in uh, Europe. Yep. He's, um, I think he's five games in. But the queue has started. Uh, Gabe Fortier is um, scoreless through two games, I think. And I don't know about the others when they're going to go, but it looks like they're going to give it a try and see how far they can get. Um, and a lot of these prospects all over the uh, NHL landscape are, are finding these opportunities on loan, either in Sweden or Finland or, or Russia. 
to make it happen. If development, if the, if the, the most important thing for development is where can you find the ice time? And if they need to go to Austria or wherever to find it, they're doing that right now. So um, they need that ice time to develop and uh, hopefully they can get a lot in this year. God willing. What's your opinion on Volkov? I think I, I've seen you talk about this and maybe I have a, a similar take in terms of what I've seen from him at the NHL level in his brief time is that he looks the part of an NHL player but he doesn't necessarily have the whole package put together just yet. Is that a fair assessment? Do you feel that's accurate? And is he a guy that maybe has more questions right now? I think that is accurate. I think he's a, uh, it sounds like a, a criticism, but it's not, but it is like a camp player or a tryout player. You go and you're like, wow, he's got size. He can skate. Well, he's got good hands. He's got good vision. He's got everything you want, but then you watch games and you're like, why isn't he producing more here? And he had a little rough pass, patch last year when he was sent down. So uh, he, he did rebound from that. And he is a serviceable, I think he'll be a serviceable NHLer with the potential of being someone who could score 20 goals in the NHL level. But until that all comes together and he's able to think the game at the speed that is required at the NHL level, it's not going to happen. And that's what they're going to hope they get out of him and Barry Boulay and Verhage and some of these guys that have to fill these roles that seem inevitable to be open now. Not just Volkov, but the other three guys that we mentioned earlier in our conversation, Joseph, Verhage, and Stevens, guys who were in the bubble, and Joseph didn't get into a game, but he was there and practicing, and the other guys did get into at least one game, Volkov in the, the clinching game. How valuable... Do you feel that experience was for those guys in terms of where their careers are going to go and the experience gained from just being there and practicing and, and for, for a handful of these guys getting into games and, and being able to have an impact on these playoff contests? I think if you look back, if, if five years from now you look back at their careers and they're doing well, I think you point to this run and being there for all of it and going through all the practices and stuff as being a huge reason why. And I was a little, um, I, I was hoping that they would take Barry Boulay with them and maybe Cal Foot with them just because it would be so good for them to be around uh, the professionalism that it takes and the work ethic that it takes to get through a cup run like that. Um, I think that's just all positives all around for all those guys. And hopefully, Matthew Joseph finds the game that he had uh, within himself to to make the team a couple years ago and not what kind of faltered a little bit last year because they're going to need him back to fill some of these spots. What do you make of the draft this year uh, as much as you can follow? We know Tampa Bay doesn't have a first-round pick up to this point, but is it a deep draft? I mean, is it you know, great at certain positions, maybe not so much at others? I think there's it's almost like there's something for everyone. And what I've seen over the past few years is there's so much uh, training that goes on outside of normal club stuff uh, where players are getting extra skating work or extra hockey camps and stuff like that. So the preparedness changes all the time. So you're seeing a lot more guys 
get passed over in one draft and then are really thought of highly the next draft. Or in some cases, they're passed over two or three times and then all of a sudden you're like, well, this guy's really good because he's he was late on it, but he spent a lot of time working on it. Like a guy like Igor, let me get this name right, Igor Sokolov, okay? He was on the Russian World Junior team two years, um, doesn't get drafted for two years, works with Jill Plandowski in Halifax because he was in Cape Breton um, to improve his skating, goes out and gets like 92 points in 52 games, 46 goals. 6'4 guy, high compete level, hates to lose, kind of like a Kucherov in that sense, not necessarily his skills, but just how Kucherov gets so passionate about it. Um, He camped with Columbus last year, and he's a guy that the Lightning, I, I think, could very well take at the end of the second round because... He can score. He's gritty. He can skate moderately well. I read some quotes from Jill Plandowski that said, once he gets drafted, you're going to see his upside uh, just skyrocket because he hasn't been taught a lot of things. And that's what we're seeing a lot is that some of these guys coming over that didn't come through the Canadian system or Minnesota or, or Massachusetts or anything like that is that there are things that are untapped. And they're finding ways to develop those players more than what they did before. So the Braden points who fall to round three can get extra work from Barb Underhill or Jill Plandowski or whomever and raise their status into superstar status. And you're like, yep, well, that's what happens now. But it never used to be that way. So I feel good about the Lightning's uh, quantity of picks and finding stuff because they're able to identify all these unique uh, situations because they put the work in for them. Chad, before we let you go, and by the way, you, you could have given me any Russian name there, and I wouldn't have known if you were saying that correctly or not. <laughs> That's just a tribute to where we are with the traps and times with these players. But I'm curious, you see this cup run, you followed some of those players very closely, you watched what Braden Point did, you've seen Sorelli, and you saw Palat, you know, really have a bounce back year, Vasilevsky and Nets, and Sergachev taking these steps. I mean, is this... As a guy who follows those players and you project what they can be, was it pretty neat to see them actually reach that potential in some ways during this this cup run? Because you do need that for teams to win a cup. And do you feel like those guys have another gear or two to get to? Yeah, it is... Um... It was more. It was satisfying, obviously, but it was more interesting to to see what their projected roles were when they were drafted, or projected upsides, or comparables, or things like that. Like Braden Point was compared to Val Philpola at one point, and um, just oh the roles that they ended up being in. Uh, Sorelli, you know, scores the Memorial Cup winner for Oshawa years ago while playing wing, and now he's a shutdown center. Um, it's just really, um, just the depth of all of that and, and what it means to the, to the players and then just following them all this, this time. It was, it was pretty satisfying and, and uh, interesting. Well, this was an interesting conversation. It was a good one. And we appreciate you taking the time, buddy, to, uh, break it all down. Now you're still bull prospects doing your thing. Do you want to give your, your site a plug? I'm sure. Yep. Uh, boltprospects.com follow us on twitter at bolt prospects um there's we'll have daily updates once all the leagues start and get going here um it's interesting that when we started this um 
I was newly married. And now the, the kids that are being drafted this year were born the year that my oldest was born. So I am feeling really, really old this year. You're extremely old. Well, your kid needs to be drafted, Chad, and then it's gravy train, right? Yeah. Well, you already yeah. have You're working gravy train there, too, by the way. Yeah, it's right. you already have a, a relative that got drafted, correct? Was that last year? Uh, two years ago, Nate Schnarr, yep, by Arizona, and then he got traded to the Devils in the Taylor Hall deal. Hey, it's not bad. Get him on the show. No. Let's get him on the show. <laughs> Chad Schnarr from Bold Prospects. Thank you, buddy. We appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Thanks, Chad. All right, there he goes, Chad Schnarr from Bolt Prospects. Always enjoy his analysis. When we return, Bob McKenzie had some interesting things to say regarding the Tampa Bay Lightning. You heard about Darren Dreger's tweets. We'll get to that and so much more right here on Lightning Power Play. The perfect social distancing distraction for your lunch hour. This is Power Lunch, only on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. You know, it was a funny story. I remember talking to Chad. This was probably a couple of years ago. And, you know, we referenced Darren Drager, Dave, and Bob McKenzie a lot, particularly this time of year when it comes to the draft and trade specifically. <laughs> Bob McKenzie retweeted something Chad wrote. <laughs> and it was like, I mean, for Chad, he could have just like retired. That's like being knighted, right? <laughs> I know. He could have just retired on that. And uh, it was pretty cool. But I know like Al Murray's been very complimentary of the work that Bull Prospects does. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's a credit to Chad and his staff. Of course, we've had him on over the years. And I think, you know, the thing is, too, Dave, it doesn't matter what sport. Fans love to project prospects. It doesn't matter. And I think there's almost an unhealthy attachment to prospects, particularly at the trade deadline when they are dealt. Because I think a lot of times because these rankings that we see now today where, hey, this organization has the best minor league system. And I used to fall into this trap too when I was you know growing up and the, the Pirates were so bad for so many years. But, you know, they would get all this talent and Baseball America had them as the, the fifth best minor league system in all of it so you get excited right and then when these guys get up they weren't any good but i think uh, you know for a lot of fans we get excited sometimes about where do you rank when it comes to other organizations and who's the best prospect and oh i can't believe you traded draft picks away for barkley goodrow and blake coleman but you know the reality is you do have to use those prospects and draft picks as assets to win now i mean that is the goal and it's funny how I think some people really gravitate towards the prospects, but also probably have an unhealthy view of all the prospects in your system because not every one of them is going to pan out. Correct. I am impressed with the level of analysis that Bolt Prospects is able to produce on a variety of players because they are look they have a staff chad has chad has some people working with him but it's not the same as a full scouting staff for for an nhl team and the level of work that has to go in for an nhl team to be ready for a draft is monumental i mean they have guys who are in different regions so they're focusing on different leagues 
even over in Europe. I mean, some guys are in Sweden, other guys are in Finland. And and good luck trying to scout Russian leagues. And I'm not talking about the KHL, where some guys are drafted out of the KHL. But more often, they are drafted out of a, a lower league. I think it's the MHL. He referred to Shalagan, who the Lightning took in the sixth round last year. And I remember having a conversation with Al Murray and he was he was sharing the difficulty that you have to scout younger Russian players in a lot of these leagues because it's unclear whether they're even going to play. Like you go to a game and because they're younger, the older players often tend to play. It's not like there's an amateur league, right? It's almost like a, a tier two league. And even if they have maybe have more talent, often they may not even be in the lineup or, or may not play a lot. So as a scout, you're going to a game, you're 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 you know the player you're looking at or going to be looking at is on that team, but he may not even play. Or if he plays, he plays a really small amount. And what Al Murray said is often it's at these tournaments, the underage tournaments, not underage, but you know, under eighteen tournaments, world juniors where you really get a chance to see these guys because they're they're given an opportunity to play more. Talking about the Russian players. I think Volkov was a guy who fit fit into that category where for his Russian team, it was hard to get a sense of what he could do. But at the tournament, which is a very small sample size, right? You know, it's it's a week and you're going there and maybe the player has a bad week, right? It can happen. And you might swing and miss because you think this guy isn't as good as he actually is. Volkov had a really productive tournament. And I remember when the Lightning took him in the second round, Al Murray said there were other teams that came up to him and said, we were looking at this guy and we didn't pull the trigger on him because we didn't have enough data, basically. So when you factor in that, you know, Chad and his group are, are kind of doing a deep dive on all the players you know, in various leagues. It's really impressive. I mean, it takes it a is. lot of time and a lot of homework for it sure. Does. And, and, and they I, do a very comprehensive job. They do. And I like when Chad can compare certain prospects to certain players that are currently at the NHL level to give people an idea of maybe yes, what you their skill set up. is. Exactly. And I, uh, it's, a, it's a really, I think, good way to break it down, even though sometimes it, it doesn't pan out that way. And but it's an of, imperfect science because it's it hard to project how a player at 18 will look when he's 22 or 23. I mean, maybe you have an idea, but he's still got to grow, grow physically, grow in terms of maturity, although a lot of these guys now as, as teenagers are incredibly mature, based particularly the ones in North America cause, and the, the ones especially who have played for major junior teams in Canada because they are getting a ton of exposure and doing interviews from a young age. You can see the maturity with how they address the camera and speak in front of a microphone. And handle a lot of responsibility. I mean, if you are a Canadian hockey player, an amateur Canadian hockey player, and you go and play in the World Juniors in Canada, that's about as much pressure as you can imagine for a 19-year-old or an 18-year-old who might make the team. And there's so much pressure to win that gold medal for Canada in the World Juniors. And those guys have all been through it. Most of them who have been to the NHL get to the NHL have been through a world junior if they are Canadian-born playing for Canada. And I think that helps you grow as well. But at 18, look at a picture of Steven Stamkos at age 18. 
and then look at him when he's 21. I mean, he's grown physically yeah. into his body. You know, he he just looks different, which means that he's going to play differently, I guess. And, you know, maybe that's a bad example because he could always shoot the puck and skate really well even, you know, the first day he came into the league. But for a lot of these guys, it is hard to project exactly how they're going to look and how they're going to play a few years down the pike. You mentioned Bob McKenzie, not Bob McKenzie, Steven Stamkos. And Bob McKenzie actually had a little thread when it came to Steven Stamkos. And it, it basically, to paraphrase, dealt that you know he wasn't on the list of untouchables necessarily. And... You know, with his age and where he is right now, that you know, is this a situation, Dave, where the Lightning move on from Steven Stamkos? I, I I don't want to project in terms of what the future is for Steven Stamkos. I don't know. I think that's a lot easier said than done, and I'm not suggesting that's what Bob was implying. But uh, here is the actual tweet, and uh, I just want to make sure I'm accurate. He said, "Cup chance, Tampa Bay have let it be known to other teams they aim to be aggressive and offloading money. How aggressive?" Hearing teams have been told only four bolts are unavailable, untouchable. Vasilevsky, Hedman, Point, Kucherov, presumably restricted free agents, Sorelli, Sergachev, and Chernak, too. A big reason for moving money is to be able to sign those young free agents. We know that. Notably absent from untouchable lists is Captain Steven Stamkos. That doesn't guarantee Stamkos will be dealt, but it's within the realm of possibility, though his health could obviously be a factor. He says the point is multiple bodies may need to go. Stamkos may or may not end up being one of them, but he doesn't appear to be exempt from that consideration. Complimenting things is so many teams are trying to shed money. Interesting week. What do you make of what McKenzie alluded to there? I don't know if he told us anything we didn't know. Maybe he just has said it out loud as opposed to maybe what some people felt like internally. But... Just because Stamkos isn't on that list of untouchables doesn't mean that he is likely to be dealt. I think it just means with his scenario, um, it's not as a slam dunk uh, to be here in Tampa Bay as it is with those other four that I had mentioned. Well, what I take out of that, Greg, is that the Lightning are willing to listen. They're willing to listen to what a team might say. And if a team inquires about Stamkos, so Stamkos isn't on the list, well, we may be interested. But Stamkos has a no-trade and a no-move clause, which the no-move clause basically means he can't be put on waivers or or he would have to waive that. No pun intended. (laughs) He would have to say, I'm okay to be moved. I'm okay to be traded. Just like Tyler Johnson, except Tyler Johnson just has the no-trade. Gord has a no-trade. Pilat is a no-trade. Kalorn has a no-trade that is shifting to a modified no-trade. So Stamkos has one of those two, as does Ryan McDonough. And there are a lot of guys on Lightning who have these clauses worked into their contracts. But if a team approaches the Lightning and says, what about Stamkos? The Lightning are willing to listen, and maybe they go to Stamkos and say, what do you think? But I'm, I'm, I'm projecting here. There may not be a team asking about Stamkos or a team may ask about Stamkos and the Lightning say no, or Stamkos says no, and he's earned that right. So to me, it just goes down to, again, the Lightning have to find money and they're willing to listen to what other teams may have to say. But that's just the first step in the process. It doesn't mean like, Bob McKenzie said that 
that anything is going to come of this at the end of the day. Darren Drager had alluded to Tyler Johnson has given a list of teams to the Lightning. Apparently, there's some really good communication going on right there. And as I said yesterday, Dave, I think when you're an athlete in Johnson's position, maybe it's the worst kept secret this year that you know he might have been one of those guys in addition to a couple others that might have to move on, that you can use that as motivation to you know, do really well for whomever you play with next year. And the thinking there is, in my eyes, if they come to you and say, look, are, are there some teams you want to play for? We'll certainly do the best we can to make that happen. There's probably no sense trying to fight it, is it there, Dave? I mean, you're probably looking at it like, all right, you guys have obviously made your decision. You wouldn't be talking to me if you didn't. And you know what? Let's not make this an uncomfortable situation. I want to be a Tampa Bay Lightning. If I can't do that, here's where I want to go. And it sounds like those are kind of the conversations that are going on behind the scenes right now. Yeah, I guess the the distinction I would make, and again, this is based on the reporting that we're seeing and hearing. We have no inside knowledge about what is happening behind closed doors because we aren't as tied in as, as some of these guys like McKenzie and Dreger are. But the difference between what you mentioned relating to Stamkos and not just Stamkos, the fact that McKenzie tweeted and reported that the Lightning are going to be aggressive and they just mentioned four guys who are untouchable and then presumably the three RFAs that they want to get re-signed, but they're willing to listen about everybody else. The difference between that and actually going to Tyler Johnson and saying, please give us a list of teams that you would be willing to go to there is a distinction there, right? So they are being more aggressive in looking to move Tyler Johnson as opposed to saying to the other 30 teams, we're willing to listen for anybody other than these four guys, right? That's the distinction. Now, does that mean that Tyler Johnson definitely gets moved? No, it doesn't. The Lightning may not like any of the deals that – are are made available to them from from this list that that they're going to be getting, but we don't know. I mean, but again, going back to it, I think there is a difference between saying we're open to listening, call us, or we'll call you and and see who you might be interested in, and actually going to a player ahead of time and saying, please submit a list for us or or let us know where you might like to go. That sort of situation, as opposed to a team coming to them and saying, we're interested in player X. And then you go to player X and say, this team is interested in you. What do you think? You know what I mean? For sure. It's a good point. And we'll kind of see what happens here moving forward. I wanted to end with this, Dave. Elliot Friedman tweeted this out earlier today. You're just you're you're tied into all of these. (laughs) Information have, meccas, are you? I have breaking news. Yeah, <laughs> we need Chris Johnston That's now, right. and yeah, to complete the uh, yes, the four horsemen here. Uh, Elliot Freeman said earlier today, hearing new target date of January first is being planned by the NHL and NHLPA. He says this does not guarantee the season starting New Year's Day, but replaces December first as the current target date. He has in parentheses potential training camp would be beforehand. This could change in the future but that is where we stand right now. Yeah, I can't say I'm shocked to to yeah. hear that. And what was it yesterday you were relaying the conversation that you had with your dad about 
Jim Rutherford telling right. Kristen Jari, be ready by mid-November. Right. Well, maybe he doesn't need to be ready now until mid-December. But I can't say that I'm surprised that they're looking at a, a start date of January 1 as opposed to December 1, which like they felt like that's right around the corner. I mean, we're into – we're we're bumping into mid October. If they are looking at camp starting in mid November, that's you know five weeks away. So th- that the felt like still a partying. really really short off season. The lighting are still partying. Come on, yeah. <laughs> we can't we can't have training camp start uh, so soon. All right, that's gonna wrap it up for us today on the show, and we're gonna have draft coverage beginning at seven o'clock on Lightning Power Play. Myself, Jay Retcher, Brian Burns. And Steve Ersnick will be there for you, providing you some analysis. We'll see if the Lightning do get a first-round pick. Currently, they don't have one. And then, of course, tomorrow, let me bring in Steve here. We don't have a power lunch show, but that's because we're just going to be airing the draft starting at 11.30, correct? That's correct, yeah. So we'll have uh, we'll continue our coverage of rounds two through uh, seven of the draft tomorrow, which Lightning have eight picks at this point uh, for tomorrow. So we'll have that tomorrow as uh, that goes usually three or four hours. I would say so. Probably till, although virtually this year, who who knows what timing will be? But yeah, throw all the time out. Yeah, we'll we'll get probably a better idea tonight when we know. I think the the time between picks is a little extended tonight compared to years past for the virtual part of it. But it doesn't mean it'll go longer. You don't have to take the full time obviously for your picks. So okay, wonderful. GMs don't have to walk to a podium. That's true. So like a uh, normal first round. Yeah, the Lightning uh, contingent would be set up in the uh, Fire Stick Grill area of Amelie Arena. That's where they'll be uh, making. That's where their war room is set up, and they'll be making their picks from. So, beautiful. Well, we'll have all the coverage for you, Dave. We'll talk to you, uh, if not a little bit tomorrow. We'll definitely talk to you on. Let's see, Thursday. Thursday. We'll yeah, we can do a wrap up of the Lightning's picks and and see where we're at on the other side of the draft, and then look forward to free agency, which. That starts on the 9th, doesn't it? Friday, Steve? I do believe that is. That's correct. Friday at noon, yes. And uh, I believe qualifying offers have to be out is it tomorrow? I think uh, to players, all the qualifying offers. But yeah, free agency starts uh, Friday at noon. Okie dokie. All right, boys. Appreciate it. You've been listening to Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play.